God is doing something big, and we're going to see revival, even as Alyssa was sharing, that it's like, that's like in the last days, things aren't going to get worse for us. They're going to get better. And so it, like, if you lean into what, what we have to say in, in this series, is that you're going to set yourself up to be a part of that. You're going to set yourself up to be someone that God can use to do mighty things. And so uh, my, my message for tonight, we're going to get ready to jump right into the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter, or I'm sorry, 2 Kings chapter four, not Corinthians, second Kings chapter four. My, my message, if you want to like have some sort of a, a title, you can call it God needs a vessel. Second Kings chapter four. God needs a vessel. So I just want you to notice as we get ready to read this scripture, um, how many times the word, once, once the idea of a vessel being needed comes into play, notice how many times the word vessel is mentioned. Okay, so it'll take a few verses before we get there to, to set the story. But starting in verse one, it says, a certain woman, title for tonight, God needs a vessel. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets, that's a mouthful, uh, cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the Lord. So basically she's saying, my husband was your servant and he died, okay? Uh, and a creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So she's got some sort of a debt and, and she doesn't have any way to pay it. So her sons are going to be taken as slaves to pay off the debt. And so Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And now here's, start paying attention to, to, to vessels. So they need jars, they need vessels. Now notice how many times the word vessel is, is said. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. And when you have come in and you have shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went uh, from him, from the prophet, and shut the door behind her, uh, behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. And then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons uh, live on the rest. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word that it speaks life to us. God, that it's life to those who find it and health to all their flesh. Father, we thank you that as we, as we encounter your word tonight, that we encounter your power and that the presence of the Holy Spirit is here to confirm your word with signs following. Father, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, you, you saw how many times the word vessel, I think it was eight times the word vessel is mentioned. And I'm using vessel tonight with the idea that God needs somebody, that, that God needs a person, God needs you. And before I get into it, I want to take just a quick sidestep really quick because it's worth noting. And it's that the vessels were containing the oil. The vessels were containing the oil. Now, in Bible world, what does the oil represent? 
the anointing, the anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it was this oil that was the solution to her problem, to her indebtedness. You see, the, the, the anointing, the, the power of God is the solution for whatever problem that you have. And with any problem that, that you can mention, maybe it's a friend problem. Maybe it is a financial problem like this woman was, was saying. Uh, maybe it is a like um, like a life like decisions problem any problem that you could that you that you could come across in life there is a solution for it in the anointing there's a solution for it I, I remember um, whenever uh, my, my wife and I had just come into really believing in in the power of God and in the anointing really believing it and and, and into prosperity believing in that as well. And we had at one point in time, our furnace went out and it was in the middle, in the middle of, uh, in the middle of winter. So, you know, clearly we needed to get it working and, uh, we didn't have the money to be able to pay for it at the time. And, uh, and so, you know, we, we, we just said, God's going to make it work for us. And so, uh, I believe as Alyssa tells the story, she just, she prayed for a minute and, and all of a sudden got the idea to like call or no, your aunt called. Is that what it was? Your aunt called. So she's like praying and seeking God about what to do. And then at the same time, her aunt calls that like never calls her, never calls her out of the blue and then ends up connecting us with someone that was able to get us a furnace. We only had to pay them for the labor. It was like 300 or $400, I think is what it was. And so we went from needing to pay, like it was gonna be around 2000 to $2,500 to 400 bucks. And so all that happened because we just leaned into God, leaned into the anointing, spent time praying and confessing, you know, God's gonna provide for us. And so you know, you don't, as a Christian, you don't just sit back and just like, well, you know, everything, you know, whatever, you know, case or else what will be, will be. No, you've got to learn how to step into the anointing, how to activate the anointing. It's kind of like a light, a light switch. You know, you, you flick it, you can flick it on and off by your faith. And so when you come across problems, you step into the anointing, into the flow of the anointing just by realizing, okay, you know, God's, God's anointed me to be a problem solver. God's anointed me to be able to figure this thing out. God, God's anointing can, be, can bring resources my way. God, you know, and step into the flow of the anointing and it'll be your, it'll be your, uh, your it'll bring your solution. But we're saying, saying tonight that God needs a vessel. God needs a vessel. He needs a vessel to use, a vessel for the anointing. God needs a vessel. You know, God isn't doing something or anything on the earth right now. You know, everything that God, that God has, has like wanted to do, uh, he did it through Jesus Christ. It was, Jesus said, no, it is finished. And then that is all that, that God now was doing, that God now is no more doing anything in the world. Is that now God is looking to people to be who will carry out what he wants to do in the world. Look with me in Isaiah chapter six, verse eight. Even in the Old Testament, this was the case that God, everything was fulfilled around Jesus, but Jesus himself was a person. Jesus didn't come as God. Jesus came as a man. And, and, and so he was fully God and fully human. 
and that's why he was able to be a sacrifice for us because he was a human. If he was God, it wouldn't have worked because we needed a human, a human to die for our sins. So Isaiah chapter six, verse eight, if we can get that scripture up there. It says, then I heard the, the voice of the angel saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? So Isaiah is in the middle of a vision and an encounter with God. And in the middle of this encounter, he hears an angel, basically the voice of God. Um, you can go back. He says, who shall I send and who will go for us? He's talking about the heavenly bodies. He's talking about the, 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 the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is asking Isaiah, who's going to go for me? God, God, God does not go for himself. Even whenever God like, has to uh, you know, intervene a little bit, like, like with, with Peter and him believing uh, like really that the Gentiles had, were able to come into salvation, he sent visions and then angels to go and then tell people to then go and tell other people. It's like that, that God uses people. God uses people. And so we, we've been speaking a lot about revival and about what God wants to do. And you can feel it happening is that, you know, revival, it, we're saying it's coming, but like that, that's, that's only so that we can just like say it without explaining ourselves every time. Re revival doesn't come. Re re you know, we're, we're saying revival is coming because we can feel um, people latching on to the things of God, but revival itself, it just, it doesn't come. Like there is not another Holy Spirit named revival. There's just the Holy Spirit. And so revival doesn't come. Revival is stirred. Revival is created and, and, and revival is carried. How? Which it's, it's created by people just like you and I who get passionate about God, who, who, who are sick of just playing church, who don't just want to like go through the motions of life, but people who say, I'm going to go, I'm going to go hard after God. You know, I'm not going to live like everybody else. And just like, you know, I don't, I don't even know what's popular anymore because I don't care. I was going to say Caitlyn Jenner, but like, she, who even is Caitlyn Jenner? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, pe people that don't care about just this world. We're, the Bible says we're passing through anyways. We're a foreigner. We're not meant to live here. And it's people that get that attitude and that heart about them to say, you know what? I I'm not going to live like I'm trying to hold on to something here. The Bible says if you lose your life, there you will find it. And when you begin to find your life in Christ and give God everything, all of your passion, all of your mental faculties, the Bible says to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind minds, that when you begin to love God like that, you begin to attract revival. You, be, you begin to then carry revival. Is that re revival doesn't come. You carry it with you whenever you go into your school. God says, who will go for me? In that scripture, who will go for me? Get literal with it. Who's going to go for me into Robert C. Bird? Who's going to go for God into Kroger? Who's going to go for him into the dollar store? Who's going to, who, who will go for me? God is saying, who will go for me? Well, that's going to be us. We're going to be people that go for God. You know, you guys have already been doing it. You've done such a fantastic job. We already gave a, a shout out to Ike is that we're, we're going to be these people and we're going to carry revival and we're, we're going to see this entire North Central West Virginia region shaken by the power of, by the power of God. Can you say amen? Look at another scripture, Ezekiel 22, verse 30. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. I looked for someone 
who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so that I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. You know, sometimes in, in church world, to, I think it's to make people uh, scared or something. Uh, you know, we say things like, you, you know, if, if, you, if you won't go for God, then he'll just send somebody else. If you don't go, he'll send somebody else. I, I think that's true sometimes. You can see it in the case of, of Moses and Aaron, when Moses wasn't willing to be the one to, to, be the one to speak for God. Um, God said, okay, well then Aaron, Aaron will do it. And he was able to find somebody else. But this scripture tells us that's not always the case. Is that, you know, God doesn't always find someone to do what he wants to do in the world. Why? Well, because you were created on purpose for a purpose. The, the Bible says you are God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10, you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good, good, blah, 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 to do good, good works, man, that he prepared beforehand for you to do. So every part about you has been destined by God. Every part about you, how you look, the, the, the quality of your personality, the type of per, per, person, like the things that you like and just like who you are as a person, your, your interests, your, your destiny, specifically in the area of your calling and, and like your career and what you're meant to do, like with, with the time that you're given, that's on, that's on purpose. The, the, the people that God has surrounded you with, it's on purpose. The, the very fact that you're living in this time, the very fact that you were born, what, what year were you guys born in, like 2006? Uh, five, eight, somewhere around there. I was born in 1992, 90s. Um, so, Grandpa. Um, so, you know, like, yeah, everything that God made, everything how God intricately designed you has been for a reason to do the good works that he planned beforehand for you to do. So if God made you, he doesn't have another you. There isn't another Andrew, another Gabe, Alexander. There's, there's not another you. you. God made you to do what he called you to do. And so sometimes, yeah, maybe God will find somebody else. But it's like, sometimes that's not always the case. God needs you. And so don't miss it. Let's be people, let's be people that say, uh, you know what, God, whatever you would have me to do, whatever you would have me to say, however you would, wherever you would like me to go, God, you can have me. You can have my whole life. If that's you, just raise your hands right now and just tell God, God, what, whatever you would have me do, I'm yours. God, I make a commitment now to never be looked over, to never be missed over, to never miss a step of my destiny in Jesus' mighty name. Praise you, Jesus. We're not going to miss it. Tell somebody, I'm not going to miss it. God, God needs a vessel. God needs a vessel. You'll notice here one, one key factor, one key need of the vessel. I'll read it again in verse three. It says, then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. Empty vessels. I've got, I've got a little vessel here. So, you know, they're just talking about a jar. This is just like, you know, New King James Bible. Um, 
this is a vessel, you know, for lack of better words. <clears throat> God, God, needs, God needs a vessel. This is an empty vessel, so you could put anything in, in it, you know. Uh, Gatorade, apple juice, rotten eggs, I guess. You could do that too, yeah. Uh, why, that, that was a thought, I don't know. Did you just like love rotten eggs? Oh, hey, you're here. I didn't even know you were here. I've been talking about you this whole time and it's like, I'm just like talking about you like you're not even here. All right, uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, but, so he, he said, I need an empty vessel. Why? Well, because if it if it's, has something in it, then you can't put something else in it without diluting it, without making it ineffective. Now, now my, I'm, a, I'm weird, okay? So like, I like, sometimes like to argue. So like, sometimes I try to think like, okay, what would people think if I said that? And I, I, if you're this person, then God had me prepared just for you, okay? What's the thing that you call it whenever um, you have like tea and lemonade? An Arnold Palmer. It's like, there's no Arnold Palmers in the kingdom of God. Those things are disgusting, okay? Okay, all right. Uh, just to make, in case somebody was like, well, Ar you could do it with Arnold Palmers. No, you can't, they're, they're gross. Anyways, everything else in the world, other than some people who like Arnold Palmer's, you know, you can't, you can't do that. It, you, you, I mean, you can, but it's not gonna work. It, you know, one example is like a car. Try putting water or vegetable oil or apple juice with the gasoline in your car. It, it's not gonna work and it's gonna ruin it. You know, it's gonna ruin it. It's gonna ruin the, what was actually, the gasoline that actually did something, it's gonna ruin it. So God, God needs empty vessels, empty vessels. Look at me in 2 Kings chapter, <clears throat> chapter 14. You guys have that in uh, NIV? Okay, thanks. In the second year of Joash, son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel, Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, oh my gosh, so many names, began to reign. I don't even know which king we're talking about anymore. One of the kings started to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Jehadon. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not as his father David had done. In everything, he followed the example of his father Joash. The high places, however, were not removed. The people continued to offer sacrifices and burn incense there. So this is one example of many that you can find in the Old Testament where the Bible will say there was a king that did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but like not fully, like they, they didn't do it completely like King David did. And then it goes on to, to say, well, in what way? And it says that, that the high places were not removed and that people continue to offer uh, and burn incense there. And so what you'll find is that the, the people, the kings went and tore down all of the false idols. So like the, the little like object idols that they would have, they tore them down and burned them. But the place where those idols were kept, that wasn't destroyed. And so, you know, sometimes 
Whenever God needs a vessel, it's not a matter of direct sin and wickedness, though, though we're gonna talk about that here in just, just a minute. But it's, it's a matter that God doesn't actually fully have someone's heart. For whatever reason, we don't know why, whenever they tore down these idols and yet kept the places where they were, th there was some reason why they decided to keep them. And it was for some reason they, they could not fully let go of this God in their life. That there was, there was a God that maybe their ancestors worshiped, maybe they just claimed it for themselves. And they were willing to like get rid of the idol, the physical embodiment of their idol, but they weren't willing to completely sever themselves from the God in their life. And you know, I've noticed that through my years of youth ministry and preaching is that many Christians live that way when it comes to God. Even as this scripture says that he loved God, he did what was right in God's eyes. He loved God. There was just one thing, one thing that he didn't remove the high places and people would continue to offer incense there is that people will love God. Christians will love God, but then they'll have some gods in their life where they just, for whatever reason, can't seem to fully let go. Where they can't seem, it's like, uh, you, you'll notice it with like um, school, you'll notice it with sports, you'll notice, with, notice it with like friends. And it's like, God is, you know, God, yeah, I love God, he's first, I put Jesus first in everything until something else that I like happens to contra uh, conflict with it on the schedule. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, God's, God's first, God's my everything until it's not convenient anymore for that to happen. Why? Because they've reserved an area of their God. The, the basic thing is here is that, that they're not empty. They, they've still got something on the inside of them that they haven't fully poured out and given over to God. And see, God is looking for someone, not that has, you know, like God was, he was glad that they lived for him. Like he was, you couldn't make the argument that he was like mad at them or something, but there was like, a, you could sense like a little bit of disappointment in God's eyes or in, 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 in the scripture. Why? Well, because you're missing the fullness of what God wants to do in your life whenever you only give him uh, just a, a part or even most of it. It's like you, you are not going to be able to do everything that God has for you to do. But when you make up your mind to be someone like King David, who says, God said of David, he says, David is a man after my own heart. David went from a nothing to then being the king of Israel, to being one of the greatest kings in all of Israel. Is that if you would love God with oh, genuinely with all your heart, not most, not, not with most of the jar, not with three quarters of the jar, but it's like, no, God, you actually have first priority in my life. God, I don't care what comes up on the schedule. God, if it contradicts or if it conflicts with something for the house of God, if it conflicts with one of my commitments that I've made and like my reading or my prayer or my fasting or whatever it is, because, you know, whenever I... Um, I don't really have this problem anymore, but whenever I worked out like a, a, a secular job and volunteered as a youth pastor, you know, our company would go out to lunch all the time. So like I would get invited out to, to go eat in the middle of a fast. And, and so then it's like, okay, well, you know, like I'm with people and I don't want them to think, no, it's like, God, I don't care what, I don't care where we go. I don't care, you know, beat up sounds really great. And now so I'll say beat ups. You know, I don't care if it's Buffalo Wild Wings. 
Uh, <laughs> is anybody else Buffalo Wild Wings? It's like, okay, all right, okay, okay. So, you know, it's just like, God, I don't care. God, I, I want you. I'm not hungry for food. I'm hungry for revival. God, not whenever it's convenient. God, all the time. You are my God all the time. He, that's what master means. That's what Lord means. It's all the time, not sometimes, all the time. And when you live that way, God, God will anoint you. So, you know, let, let's, let's, be, let's be a generation of people that like tears down gods, you know? You know, I, I believe that there's gonna come a day where, and rather soon, where it's like the, the sport world and the school world, that they're not actually the, the center of society anymore. Because right now, they're actually, the, the, you, they're the center of society. Like everything operates around them. But one day is gonna come whenever, uh, their, the, the schools and the sports and whatever else is they're planning their schedules around the church because, because the whole community is turned to God and the whole community is, God, you're first. I don't care what else we could do in life. God, you're actually my first. So let, let's be those people that carry that into, into our society that say, no, we're hard after God with everything that we have. Let's tear down the idols and not be afraid to be like, no, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to church. I'm going to live for God. Who cares about a promotion or a race? I, God is actually first. Not only what's convenient, he's actually first in my life. Can you say amen? Right along the, the, the idea of emptiness, it's cleanliness. Could we, could we actually get some music on in the back? Thank you. Right alongside the idea of emptiness, it's cleanliness. We're going to pray here in just a minute. Um, so this jar is empty, and so therefore you could say that it is clean. You, you know, empty is akin to clean. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's clean. You know, they are separate ideas. And so the reason why I'm making this point is because is because the, the prophet, he said, go and get for me empty vessels. Um, I believe we can substitute that empty and clean. Say God needs an empty vessel and God needs a clean vessel. That cleanliness, holiness, they, they, they matter. So I'm gonna spend a few minutes talking about cleanliness and holiness. Look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 20 says, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. <clears throat> the expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, clean, pure, clean, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use for every good work. You know, I've got a fork here. Um, I, I got it from upstairs and I found it in the drawer uh, in, the, uh, in the kitchenette upstairs. So it was a clean fork found in the drawer. Whenever you have a dirty fork, it is in the dishwasher or in the sink, or it's on a plate somewhere, you know, somebody just ate off it, probably one of my daughters. Um, you know, a, a, dirty, a dirty fork ha like has been used, you know, it's, 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 it's not where it should be. 
It's not ready to be used, I should say. But a clean fork is ready to be used. When you, whenever you want a fork for those Buffalo Wild Wings or whatever it is, you don't go looking throughout the house on the kitchen table. You don't go looking in the dishwasher, you know, unless it's clean. You go to the drawer. Why? Well, because cleanliness means readiness. Cleanliness means readiness. See, God, God wants to use people. God, God, God you know, it said in the scripture, you'll be ready for the master to use. God wants to use people to do great things for the kingdom of God. But it's like sometimes the reason why God isn't using people is because they have limited him to focusing on getting them clean and not ready to use. Because see, when we don't live pure and holy lives, when we flirt with sin or, or live, you know, in the sense of just like, well, you know, God will forgive me or, um, you know, think lighthearted about sin is that really God can't use us because we've, we've limited him. Now he has to focus on getting us pure and he can't focus on using us. It's like when I find, when I find a, a fork on my kitchen table or on my dining room table, I'm not, I'm not looking to use it. I'm looking to clean it. You understand? So it's like when, 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 People aren't living pure. God isn't looking to use them. God is looking to clean them. And then once he cleans them, then they're ready for use. And then it even distinguishes, then there's some, then there's some that are, are ordinary and then some that are special. And so it's like, God is looking for someone that will keep themselves pure, that will say, God, I, I wanna live ready. God, you have things for me to do. You, you, you've got a, a revival that you wanna break out in this area. God, Jesus is coming back. God, you, you want me to, to carry the, you know, Jesus to this world and, and evangelize my entire high school, middle school, whatever it is, and perform miracles and signs and wonders. God, okay, then we, we have to live clean. We've got to live clean. We can't, we can't flirt with sin and think that, you know what, just because, just because there's grace and we're living in a dispensation of grace is that we can treat sin like it's, like it's, um, like we can just, hopefully just sin and hopefully get away with it. It's like, no, instead of hoping to sin and getting away with it, we've got to shift into the mindset that I, I'm going to love righteousness and hate wickedness. I'm going to love righteousness and hate wickedness and have zero tolerance for sin in my life. In Psalm 45 verse seven, it says this, you love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. That when someone makes it up their mind, I'm, I'm not gonna flirt with sin. I'm not, I'm not gonna make any excuses for sin. And when they say, I'm going to love righteousness and hate wickedness, the Bible says that he anoints that person more than other people. It says anoints with the oil of gladness. That's not oil for gladness. It's, 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 it's talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which brings gladness and brings joy. So God says, when you just make up your mind that I'm gonna live pure and holy and keep myself clean, God says, I'm, I'll anoint you more than other people. I'll, I'll anoint you. A.A. Allen, um, Alyssa's reading a book right now um, called the, the, the Price of God's Miracle Working Power. And 
pretty much the theme of the book is righteousness, is that if you want God to use you to, to, do, to do great things on this earth, and if you wanna live out your God-given purpose, you've got to have a determined mindset about you. I'm going to love righteousness and hate sin. Righteousness cannot be a side issue. Righteous cannot, righteousness can't be this thing that is only fitting for us when we're sitting in a church service. It's got to be whenever we're at home alone by ourselves. It's got to be at home whenever people are watching shows that we know are inappropriate. And we say, you know, I'm not going to watch that. I, even if it's your parents, if you're not, I'm turning it off. I'm going to love righteousness and hate sin. Is that when we're at school with our friends and, you know, whatever's happening, you know, I, I went to public school, so I know, you know, lunch tables, everybody's just talking about all the girls' butts, their boobs, and that's, that's what happens. And so it's like, no, you know, I'm going to get up and I'm going to move to another lunch table. I'm, I'm going to love righteousness and hate sin. And because of that, the attraction of God gets on your life and God anoints you higher than everybody else. And you, you, just like we're saying, you don't go backward this year. You go forward. It's like in pre-service prayer, uh, you know, we have pre-service prayer every Wednesday at, at 530. I shared the scripture that says in Job uh, chapter 17, it says, uh, the righteous keep on moving forward and those with clean hands grow stronger and stronger. This is your year to grow stronger. Th this, this is your week to grow stronger. You, you're going to go further. You're not going to stop. God did great things in your, in, your, in your life last year. You had great testimonies. Awesome. God can do even more. That's a small thing. And how you step into it is by making righteousness a big thing, because that's what Jesus says. He says, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything else will be added unto you. Not righteousness, you know, it's like, yeah, I know purity matters, something. No, you know, it matters. It, it, is, it is the main thing. It is the thing. And if you pursue righteous living with everything that you have, you, you'll be anointed. And God's going to use you.